0: Hey, it's Rhett Bryan. You're listening to the Second and Victory Podcast for Broadway Sports Media. Touchdown
1: Titans! You are now listening to the Second and Victory Podcast.
2: What is up, everybody? You are listening to the Second of Victory podcast. My name is Austin Nelson. I hope everybody is doing well right now and staying safe during these times. Uh, I am happy to be joined by my co host, Brett Bachelor. Brett, how are you, buddy?
1: Austin, I'm doing fantastic tonight. How are you doing?
2: I'm well, man. Uh, so it's just going to be you and I. Uh, Chris Correct. is busy at the moment. He is moving and his life's kind of hectic. So he wanted us to go ahead without him. So. Chris, we will see you next week, but uh, in his spot, we got a very special guest, a friend of the show, and uh, a very familiar face around the Titans community, um, Mr. Brett Bryan from Welfare the Zone. Brett, how are you, sir? I'm great, guys. I am uh, always uh, excited
0: to talk Titans football, NFL football, college football, whatever it is, uh, in what has been an unbelievably uh, crazy year. Called 2020, so I'm just glad to be here,
1: Brett. You we we've seen you on this show uh, a couple times before, and like you said, 2020 has been so crazy. You're heading into your 21st year now with Titans Radio, and you like you said, you joined in in the 99 season, but you've kind of been doing stuff with the team since 97. But this is a year that we've never seen anything like this before, and we all thought that we would maybe have a vaccine now with the coronavirus and COVID 19, but We're still moving along, and we don't know necessarily what's going to happen. So some stadiums are allowing fans. Other stadiums are not allowing fans. We still don't know what the Titans are going to do when it comes to fans and who they will let in the stadium because we've seen season tickets rolled over and pushed back to next year for all the season ticket holders. But from your standpoint and and Mike Keith and Dave McGinnis and Hutton and everybody in the Titans radio booth, how different will it be for you guys in the booth if there is no fans allowed versus how it normally is when there are fans in the stadium?
0: Well, I, I'll tell you this, Brett, and that's that's a that's a million dollar question. Just like a whole <laughs> lot of things this year, you just you're so much up in the air, so much in flux, so much in play. Um, and I'll tell you this: um, we have had private discussions about many different scenarios, and I can honestly tell you right now, as we're doing this podcast, I still don't have a complete, full answer as to how it's going to look because. The NFL has its protocols with the tiering process, tier one, two and three and who can be around who and, you know, social distances and all those kinds of things. But we don't know how it relates to NFL broadcast teams and in particular radio teams. There's 31 other radio outfits that's going through the same thing we are and trying to get clarity from the league. So our friends with the Titans are asking uh, for some advice and help and clarity through the league about exactly how many people can be in our booth. What do, you know, what can we, I know that we can carry our equipment because the team usually helps us with that. Thank God uh, for Powell Ledbetter and VIP moving and storage, the official mover of the Titans, because he has helped us with that for years and we've gotten the blessing to be able to to lug our road cases around. So bless him. Um, So that part's huge. But I don't know what it's going to look like from, uh, you know, I've, I've been told there's a certain number and if that certain number is correct, then all of our crew should be able to be in there and do our stuff and kind of, you know, I would probably wear a mask when I'm not, uh, you know, hosting free game right. and, right. and doing things like that. And, and certainly when I'm in between Mike and Mac while they're doing play by play, I would, I would wear a mask for sure. Okay. Uh, and try to stay as distant from them as possible. Um, you know, with everything else being so different, um, we're still trying to get clarity on exactly how many people can, you know, there's a number of, uh, and I forget what the number is, of how many people can actually be on the playing surface, either on the road or at Nissan Stadium in in terms of uh, not overpopulating that. And that right. number does include both football teams, their coaches, their staff, their you know, mm-hmm. trainers and those things. And it's not a very high number. So uh, I would say whoever gets credentialed for the sidelines or stuff like that is going to be a very fortunate person if you're a photographer or a sideline reporter or whatever. And obviously there won't be any open locker room session afterwards, right. which is what I would normally do. Uh, you know, Amy Wells gets a player coming off the field that we play in post game, And then I would get some interviews and send those up uh And so all of that stuff's going to change. And even how we would talk to Coach Rabel because uh, this tiering thing, I don't know if we can carry the equipment down there to uh, be around where we need to hook it up for him to get on it. So I don't know if it's a Zoom call or him on the phone. You know, there's plenty of things that's up in the air. So you've asked a very important question that has multiple (laughs) questions and answers attached to it that, uh, you again, you can file under the year 2020.
2: You're right. I mean, as, as close as we are to the season, I still feel like that answer is still so far away to learn and to kind of figure out exactly what, what it's going to look like for you and, you know, for the national media and, and for everybody, the players even. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting, kind of what we learn the next few weeks. Um, but I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of nailing down an exact answer um, because we kind of learned this week as well that, college football is going to look a little bit different as well with the Big Ten and Pac-12 yeah. um, as of now canceling their seasons. And so um, I saw, a, uh, you know, with college football, again, probably going to look a little bit different. Um, I saw a tweet. I don't know if you saw it today, Rhett. Um, it's from a guy that works for the Denver Post, Ryan O'Halloran. And he said, move the. Titans.
0: Yeah, Ryan O'Halloran is. Yeah, he's a former uh, beat writer for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's a former oh, Broncos. That's cool. Very cool.
2: Very cool. He, he tweeted and said, move Titans Broncos opener from late ESPN Monday night to ABC Saturday primetime. And I love that. I think that's a fantastic idea. We, I mean, the Titans would then be the second game of the week if they decided to do that. But what are your thoughts on that moving that late Monday night game that I know you're probably already dreading to that Saturday uh, slot? I wouldn't
0: hate it, uh, no. just because we wouldn't we wouldn't get back in Nashville until you know way after daylight, yeah. uh, just in terms of you know because it's a nine what is a nine ten nine fifteen Central kick, Great. so it would be a yeah. long night. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll I'll tell you, and I know I kind of know where you're heading with this, and I wouldn't disagree with what may end up happening if the SEC does not play the ACC and the Big Twelve follow suit with the Big Ten and and Pac-12 well in this. Uh, And I'm using air quotes here, but I I feel like the NFL is going to help air quotes their television partners and going, hey, we'll take some of those Saturday slots because we know you need something to air where college football would be. And, uh, you know, they're salivating over this because the NFL is the sport in North America. Uh, It has been for a long time. Uh, Baseball. I'm glad it's back. But, you know, they're, they're having their own struggles. Uh but the NFL would be the king of the mountain because you think about this. When you get to a certain point about week six, seven, eight in the season, uh baseball will have been done at that point, NBA and the NHL would have finished and be starting their seasons uh next seasons later. Uh NASCAR's wrapping up. I mean, you're the king of the world. So you would be you would have programming on Sunday, Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday night, and Saturday. You're the king of the world.
1: That's that would be so, such a busy schedule.
0: Yeah, and and again, it's just file this under the rich gets ri- richer. I mean, it's because and I'm telling you guys, uh, I don't know what college football looks like, but I know the NFL is hell bent on not only starting on time, but they're hell bent on trying to put together a complete season and postseason because they know what it means. Right.
1: That that'd be huge too, and kind of it kind of goes back to how we were talking about how you and Titans Radio would do things in the booth and how you'd have to be ready for whatever happens and how busy the schedule might be, kind of how Austin said about how just the idea of even being the Titans, having a primetime Saturday game. So you kind of hit on the fact of how you would wear a mask and how many people you guys can have in the booth. But when you talk about the – not the pre-production stuff, but when you're actually on air, and I know that you've done spotting before for Mike Keith and for Dave McGinnis as well, would you still – be right there because I know you want to be away from them, but would you still be there to spot them? Would you have somebody down like Jonathan Hutton on the field to to go back and forth to relay it up? How would you guys change it from pre and post production to what you would actually do during the game?
0: Uh, that is something we're still working out. I think we have a solution with that because there's enough space at home for Hutton to be on his own row by himself, and maybe me join him at the end of that row and maybe spot behind Mike and Coach Mack. Uh, again, I don't know that for certain. There's all kinds of theories and scenarios we've thrown out just trying to figure, you know, you're going to have to figure one plan out and you might as well go through as many plans as you can think of uh, to try to halfway prepare yourself for this. Now, in terms of if that went from a Monday night to a Saturday primetime game, uh, there are a few things that would change in terms of preparation. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I would have to, you know, get on board with Westwood One, who uh, those folks now, their operation, they haven't been uh, uh, immune to the, the pandemic. Their their New York uh, Technical Operations Center has closed, and they're now, now all based out of Denver, Colorado. In fact, I just got through talking to my point wow. of contact before we uh, got on to do this podcast together to kind of get all my ducks in a row. Uh, but I would have to get with them, tell them the reschedule, tell them our air time. Uh, and, of course, we have all these tones and, and uh, uh, closures, they call it, to help all of our automated Titans radio stations help get in and out of stuff. And then I would send a mass email out to all of our stations saying, hey, here's what's happened. They've changed the schedule. It'd, almost be, it'd be the same kind of deal as if the Titans got flexed to a primetime game later on in the year. Uh, You just have to change a couple of things Mm -hmm. and then, you know, figure the rest out. Um, And it it wouldn't be a a super huge undertaking. Um, And, you know, (laughs) 2020 taught us one thing. Uh, You better be ready for – to be able to improvise (laughs) and overcome and and accept change because, I mean, this thing could change I don't know how many times between now and the end of the
2: season. Are the Titans the favorites in the AFC South?
0: You know, I would say, from a national perspective, I would say no. I would say everyone is looking at Indianapolis. Uh, I think completely agree. As, as long as Houston has Bill O'Brien as the general manager of the year, I love him. He's, <laughs> hitting, he's making those moves. Uh, and, and, and John Robinson, if you ever heard this, you know that I'm being sarcastic and you're really the man. Uh, <laughs> and Dave Caldwell, I don't think a lot of him in Jacksonville. And, and I think, you know, Jacksonville – is, is where the Nashville Predators are right now. Ooh, they they tasted close to some deep playoff run three years ago, and they haven't been the same since. And then they've jettisoned players and traded players. And so that leaves Indianapolis and the Titans. And that, I think, the main question there is, what is Phillip Rivers like uh, in a new environment? New, And you know he's going to work his tail end off. You know he's hungry. Uh, he was very bitter about the way that the chargers left San Diego. Um, and so he's closer to home and, and from Athens or Decatur, Alabama. Um, he's got a lot of weapons around him. I mean, Chris Ballard has done a fantastic job with their roster on offense, defense, you name it. He's done a really good job. And uh, I think nationally that's the team people would say, uh, but I think, I'm going to play Homer here, and yeah, I think the Titans are the ones to beat in the AFC South, and I think the mm-hmm. biggest feather in their cap is John Robinson making those moves happen, and the other one is is Mike Vrabel in this. Mike Vrabel, I mean, I ran into DMPs the other day uh, at the post office, <laughs> and he said, I, "I said, Coach, you said the night that you guys were introduced to all the season ticket holders." two years ago at Opryland Hotel. I said, you said he was the smartest player you'd ever coached." And I said, I know you were giving him some some kudos there. He said, no, I meant it. He said, I absolutely meant it. He said, that guy is a cerebral assassin. Don't get caught up in thinking that he's just a jock meathead who's 6'4", 270. He said he was a very smart player. And he said that's one of the reasons I wanted to coach with him because I knew he would do well. And, you know, it's clear that they haven't hired a defensive coordinator by, by labeling this. Shane Bowen, the outside linebacker's mm-hmm. coach, the guy who will make decisions if you know, Coach Vrabel is doing his 30,000-foot all-three-phases job <laughs> as head coach. But I, listen, I, I have no doubts that Mike Vrabel can be the head coach and the defensive coordinator of this team. I, I think he knows exactly what he wants and what he's doing. And let's, let's not forget, guys, He's been around the block two times now, and including playoffs, he's coached, what, 35 games Mm -hmm. as coach of the Titans? And look, has he had his moments? Absolutely he has. I mean, let's not forget his first game as head coach was that seven-hour, eight-minute game in in, uh, week one of 2018 in in Miami against the Dolphins and four hours worth of lightning delays. And, you know, last year when they were in that two-and-four spot, and he'd be the, he'd be one to tell you, and he would probably get on to me for saying this, but he would be the one to tell you. He would he was pressing. There were times he was yeah. pressing, making decisions as a head coach, trying to make something happen, and it you know didn't cost them the game necessarily just by some coaching decisions, but it didn't help. And you could tell. And then once things started to open up, and he changed quarterbacks, and things started clicking, uh, you got to see where he would relax a little bit and wouldn't press as much. And I can't remember all of the plays off the top of my head, but I think you guys know watching this stuff, oh, yeah. that there were some decisions he made where he was pressing the envelope a bit. Uh, he's learned from those things. And I listen, the Titans are damn lucky to have him as a head coach. I agree. Because let's not forget, let's not forget the Indianapolis Colts had courted, um, what's his name with New England, who's held Josh everybody Daniels, up at the altar. Josh and uh, <laughs> Yes. And, and he, left them, he left them at the altar. And they tried to make the phone call to Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel had already agreed to be the Titans with John Robinson and Amy Adams Strunk. So they luckily had Frank Wright who's done very well for them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he, sh- by all the and purposes, should be the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts right now. And I, listen, yeah. I guarantee you, he is a hot commodity. If he were to ever get out of Nashville, oh, yeah. someone would hire him uh, because of, and, and listen, I know I sound like a super homer in this, but <laughs> just look at what he's look at what he's doing with this stuff. What he did in Foxborough, oh, out man. out Sly Fox and the Master that that was the Grasshopper beating the Master. He wow. absolutely, I mean, it was amazing. That was really something, and he he may have put the end to a dynasty. Yeah, and then to see what they did against Lamar Jackson Mm -hmm. and that Baltimore Ravens uh, offense, defense, and everything on the road the next week. Listen, you can say anything you want negative about Mike Grable, but look at those two wins. They were masterful coaching jobs.
2: I mean, it was such – those two wins were such a long off-season discussion, whether it was about the Patriots and what's next for Tom in the Patriots. Um, And then it was also about Lamar Jackson, and you know he has to win a playoff game for him to be considered an elite quarterback. So the Titans did two things and kind of changed the narrative on both of those teams and and franchises for a little bit at least. So I want to ask you this too, Rhett. You kind of being around the team for many, many years and kind of seeing the ins and outs of practice – and kind of getting to talk to guys personally one on one and get to know them and their personality. Hard Knocks premiered this week um, with the Rams and Chargers. So both those LA teams now get the new stadium and uh, Chargers, and I guess the Rams too. Both get new uniforms as well. So it's a whole new look and vibe out there in LA. Would you want to see the Titans ever be on Hard Knocks? Is that something you would be you know enjoy you know watching and kind of seeing the whole HBO crew out there?
0: Oh, absolutely, I would. Um, you know, they're one of, what, two or three teams that haven't been on Hard Knocks since its inception. So that makes it appealing to begin with. But don't forget, you've got John Robinson and you've got Mike Gray. Yep, he would be great yep, on that. Yep. But, uh, you know who would be a rock star on on Hard Knocks? is Jayon Brown. Wow. Him a and a LaJuan. LaJuan would be just so full of himself more than he already is. Uh, I think Rashawn Evans would <laughs> be fun on there. Um, I would like to. I'd like to them to kind of follow Khalif Raymond for a day because that is an interesting guy, a great person, uh, just a humble dude who is scratching his way through. Made some big plays down the stretch for the Titans. He would be a compelling story on an episode. Uh, yeah, there's there's certainly enough guys in that locker room and on that coaching staff to make it an interesting watch. I would watch it absolutely.
1: You you, kind of talked about how you would definitely watch the Titans on here, and you kind of talked about a second ago about how the Titans showed up ready for the Patriots and showed up ready for the Ravens in the playoffs. So if there were a – say there was a hard knocks through the regular season and you talked about how you would follow John Robinson, how you would follow Coach Rabel, what would it show on how the coaches get ready for the game? So like when the Titans got ready for the playoffs – and they're, they knew they were going to New England. Did they focus on New England only, and then as soon as that ended, they went to Baltimore, or were they already get, trying to get ready for both? How would Hard Knocks and just a video production thing show what the coaches do to get ready for games, whether it be regular season or playoffs? All
0: right. Th- that's kind of a, there's two answers to that. First of all, uh, from you know, Coach Dave McGinnis, our, our uh, game day analyst, the head coach of Titans Radio, He has been through this with Jeff Fisher and the Rams three years ago, four years ago, whatever it was. Uh, They did both Hard Knocks and also All or Nothing on Amazon, which is also really good. Right. And he said that they film 400 hours of footage for a 55 or 56-minute episode, first of all. Second of all, everything that they have in a rough final, not a final copy, but a rough, you know, here's a rough draft of what we're doing, The coaching staff and especially the head coach has the right to go. Nope, that's not in there. Oh, well, that's fine to keep in there. Take that out. So first of all, uh, coach Fisher and, and of course, I think coach Fisher made coach Mack kind of the liaison between that production crew and that so that he would keep his eye on things that wouldn't be good. I think if they allowed. The, the film crew to show preparation in those uh, weeks leading up into the playoffs, going to the AFC championship game, it would show them, yes, prepping for New England, but there's part of their coaching staff and maybe some of their um, personnel guys and and assistants that would also be doing work in, in cut-ups and things on the Baltimore Ravens mm-hmm. at the same time. They okay. would work in a two-pronged attack. Now, whether they would show that or not, I don't know. Right. It would be up to Coach Vrabel as to whether that aired in that particular episode. That's interesting. That's pretty cool.
2: So, we, we've we been talking about Coach Mack a lot. We dropped his name a few times. And so, Ray, you are with that man quite a bit. You've known him for many, many years. Um. <laughs> So we, I mean, we hear Coach Mac on almost on a daily basis on 104.5, and kind of get to hear his analysis and and, and pick his brain, and it's fascinating. Things, I mean, I, it's you know we miss Frank a lot. I know you do listen Miss Frank in the booth, but uh, it's almost like Coach sure. Mac was a blessing in disguise to have him and, and and let him be a part of you know our huge Titans family. So I'm very thankful to listen to him. Um, but we got to know is there a good Coach Mac story? that you have, that you've been sitting on, that you can
0: share. Okay. I've got one that comes to mind. And uh, they kind of actually uh, are a couple of there's, – there's kind of a two-prong story, and they're a couple of weeks apart. And it was in going into the, the 2018 season. So, in the 2018 preseason, if you'll remember, the Titans played their third preseason game, the tune-up, if you will, the warm-up game uh, in Pittsburgh against the Steelers. Well, we thought it'd be great if he offered it up, and that's to kind of underline what you're saying, Austin. He's he's an open book. He's the he's the greatest guy in terms of making himself accessible or any Mm -hmm. of his resources acceptable, so accessible. So in this case, he said, "You know, Joe Green was my D-line coach. You know, when I was head coach of the Cardinals." And I was like, "Yeah, Joe Green doesn't mean Joe Green." He said, "Yeah, don't call him that though. He doesn't like that. Call him Joe." Uh, I said, okay, well, that's, that's clear. I said, do you think we could get him? He said, yeah, we can, we could can, can we record it in the booth before we go on the air and just chop it up and have that? I was like, yeah, I'll just ditch half of what I've got in the pregame. If we can get 10 good minutes with him, that's, are you kidding me? He's a part of the steel curtain defense. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's do it. And so here we are going to dinner the night before and, um, I don't remember where we were eating. So he gets him on speakerphone and we're all standing there on the sidewalk and he says, Hey guys, how you doing? You know, we just had this conversation with Joe Green right there on the spot. And he, you know, he answered Coach Mack on the first try. Now, here's where the story gets interesting. So it's the next day, we're in the booth. We're, oh, I don't know, probably 90 minutes before we go on the air, because we get there early and get things ready. And I was like it comes to the point of time where it's like okay we need to call him because you know the will be coming up pretty soon uh, we need to you know there's a lot of things we'll have to get ready so <laughs> he calls him he doesn't answer he calls him again immediately about the tenth time he is cussing up a storm he goes Damn you, Joe Green don't you let me look bad in front of these guys you soB you know just raising Kane about it And it was just so funny because that coach and coach Mac came out at that point
1: yeah
0: uh you could see that fiery side of him and sure enough he finally answered and so (laughs) we ended up getting him on pregame and it was great now flash forward uh two weeks later and that is week one in miami of that game i mentioned earlier in this podcast about the one that was seven hours and eight minutes long so we're in that first lightning delay and we are i don't know 15 20 minutes in and miami's uh uh their radio crew comes down jimmy cephalo one of their play-by-play guys, of course, Bob Greasy, Hall of Famer. They come mm-hmm. in and hey, Mac, what are you guys doing? He said, "We're doing radio." What are y'all doing? And he said, "Well, we've already pitched it back in the studio to you know take, take phone calls." He said, "We don't have that option. We're working here, boys." Wow. <laughs> he just, wow. but anyway, uh, he said these boys are like a machine. They were ready for this thing, it, just like it was scripted to come a b- bunch of lightning. So we get into that second, um, <laughs> we get into that that second lightning delay, and of course poor Amy Wells has just burned up a set of batteries down there. Cause we've gone, we went to her more times as a sideline reporter <laughs> that day than we did. Probably the rest of that season. I, remember that. That. I think we, I think she did like 26 sideline reports that day. And so I'm like, it got to a point I'm like, I got to go run down there and get her a new set of batteries and load her up for all of her wireless wireless, you know, for a mic and all that stuff. And right. so I get down there and there's Ryan suck up and Brett Kern sitting with some of the coaching staff and some of the security guards there at Hard Rock looking at the radar because Kern is the guy who, you know, would be a meteorologist. That's what he thought he was going to do before he lashed on and became a punter. And so I'd change their batteries out. I get back upstairs, and, of course, the guys, we've got these long-form interviews that we've canned and saved just for an occasion like this in case. We try to be as prepared as possible. And we're one of those is playing. I think it was an interview I did with Earl Campbell. Uh, a few months before, that was about 30 minutes long. So we bought ourselves bought ourselves some time. Well, there wasn't any food out. All of that had been done because all the you know they're they're ready to come clean up the stadium and get out of there because it's way way past when it should have been over in terms of the game finishing up. And so what does Coach Mac do? He goes down somewhere to a suite or somebody and took a pizza out of their out of their suite. Said I'm going to take this. I got some boys <laughs> that are hungry. I'll see y'all later. And just brought it back to us for half. I don't know who, I don't know who, who he took <laughs> it from, but that gives you an idea of what kind of guy he is. Um, couldn't couldn't be more fortunate and blessed to have, uh, and, and as far as I know, this is still the same uh, case among all the 32 radio teams. We're, he's the only former head coach to be a part wow. of a, an NFL Love. broadcast team. Wow. So he has a wealth of knowledge. He knows absolutely everyone uh, never met a stranger. I can't tell you how many times going walking down the street in Indianapolis at the combine, fourteen people will stop him before we can ever get back to the hotel. You know, just
2: crazy. Hey Mac, well, hey Mac,
0: hey Mac. You know, and that's just and of course people just love him and, and I understand why. Uh he has a magnetic personality, never met a stranger. You know, we that, that thing where people were saying what, a hundred people move to Nashville every every day. Well, we always <laughs> we say now that yeah, that's true, but they already know Coach Mac before they get here.
1: Uh, You talked about learning from Coach Mac, and I know the past two years that you have sat down under Coach Mac and and done a full draft board, ran through it. I know that you sat down and said, okay, Coach Mac, I want to learn from you. I want to know what it's like from a coaching side. Mm -hmm. And you've gone through the Mm -hmm. whole draft, and you've learned a lot that way as well. So when you did that again this year, before the draft, and then you saw the Titans go through all seven rounds, if you take a look at the Titans draft class, and then maybe a couple of the undrafted mm-hmm. guys, which one of those guys do you think is the most intriguing new player that's incoming into the Titans?
0: Well, it's a tie between Darrington Evans, the running back from Appalachian mm-hmm. State, and certainly Christian Fulton, the cornerback from LSU. And, and really, it might be him and then Darrington Evans because we know the trouble he got in, uh, in 2017, and that put him behind the eight ball there. That guy should have been a first-round pick. And, you know, they vetted him thoroughly. He's a great kid from all indications. I've yet to meet him. Uh, but I, either one of those, I would say, is almost a toss-up because I think both of those are going to be some serious contributors to the Titans in both of those phases. and Evans is a very exciting prospect. Uh, to be 5'11", 210, and to run like that, hey, I'm fine with that and uh, give 22 his stuff and then let this guy come in as a change of pace or whatever and get him in the return game, whatever it is. Um, I think there's some exciting prospects there. But then you look when those rookies got out on the field at St. Thomas Sports Park the other day and you saw Isaiah Wilson, my Lord, that is a massive humanity. That is a big, big man child right there. Uh, so that gets, that's exciting in and of itself. But uh, yeah, Coach Mack, You're right, Brett. I I said, I want you to teach me. And and he said, okay, you're going to learn, but you're going to have to work. I'm like, I don't think I've ever been afraid to work. He said, oh, I know that, or I wouldn't be showing you. I wouldn't waste (laughs) my time. And uh, so it was different for us this year. We got in my office at at Cumulus Nashville, and we holed up in there. We we gave ourselves one week off after the AFC Championship game, and then we started. And we were in there for hours a day looking at prospects. He would look at the film he would show me what he's seeing on film. And then we would look at uh, thumbnails and bios. And then we would kind of start getting an idea about how to set our board. And we did, I forget how many prospects this year, but it was enough for a seven round draft. Wow. Um, and uh, I have both of those pridefully displayed in my home. And, and I'll, those are two things I'll never forget. I hope that everything's good and we can do that again this next spring. Um, but uh the things he's shown me in that—it's—it's right, it's, just—it's amazing, and I learn something from him all the time, almost every day, um, just because he has such a wealth of knowledge and he's been around. He knows, you know, and I—that's—that's that's the thing, you young fellas, and y'all know this because y'all are both good dudes. Man, listen to the older folks; they're wise. <laughs> they've got life experience. They've been there and done that and got the t-shirt, and it might not have fit, but they can tell you what it was like. <laughs>
2: That's exactly why we just in love in talking to you. Um, I don't even care to ask you a question. I just want to kind of pick your brain and let you just ramble because it's so everything you say is so good, and we learn things even about Coach Mac that we didn't know before. Yeah. So you, well, you got, you got, the, got the
0: rambling part right. You got the rambling part
2: right. I, can't <laughs> yeah. that. I say that with love. I say that. love. With oh, with I know love. you do. I know you <laughs> do. That's um, well, speaking about. Love. Um, I'm not loving that Jadavian Clowney's not signed yet, Brett. Uh, Rhett. Um, <laughs> so it, it was announced this week as well that teams um, can now have free agents um, come yes. in and try out. So honestly, you know, I want your personal opinion as a fan, as a as an analyst. Do you do you really think the Titans have a shot at Clowney? And if so, you know when's it going to happen?
0: I do um i do think they have a shot i haven't looked lately what is their their, what is their cap situation um last time
2: i checked it was about 25 mil and that's uh it could be good now that ricky gilbert has been cut um but it's right around there yeah
0: and they waived him injured and then we've learned that Vic beasley has failed his physical correct and is on the non-football injury list so all of a sudden, a place that wasn't super strong to begin with at outside linebacker now has some concerns, right? And that's no slight towards a DeAndre Walker, who I think will be a contributor in that rotation, but got hurt in camp last year. They had, they were, they were counting on him and, and, you know, he got hurt. Uh, that's the fifth round pick from Georgia. Um, but yeah, I, I have thought all along and made, and of course, It'll be me that jinxes it and he goes and signs with the Colts <laughs> or something. But I've thought that oh he gosh. and Brable have had a wink-wink, nod-nod agreement where it's like, hey, when the time's right, I'll just come in and we'll get it I done. So, now that, that that stuff has been lifted, as you mentioned, Austin, by the NFL, saying you know, now that free agents can visit and they can COVID test and go through the protocols, and then uh, when they clear and get their physical, they can actually practice mm-hmm. away from the other team until they have gone through their um, quarantine periods. Uh, you could use him now, um, yeah. and, and listen, you talk about the most exciting thing for me in this year of Titans, and I, listen, I love that they signed Derrick Henry, that was a team-friendly deal, uh, he still got tread on the tires, he, he, he hadn't anywhere near the carries as Eddie George did at this point in, in Eddie's career, so... I like yeah. that. I like what they did with Tannehill. That's fine. AJ Brown, by all indications, is going to be a stud and a superstar in this whole thing. But I tell you what, Jeffrey Simmons in year two, that Ooh, is what man. gets my motor working hey, right Jeff. there. That is Jeff. that is a grown, that is a grown man who has shed some pounds. He yeah. now has confidence in the knee when he didn't last year. He's now a hundred percent where he was probably seventy percent last year. And uh, I'm ready. You put Clowney and Daquan Jones and that cat together in and out of that rotation and Harold Landry and those guys back there. Shh, you talk about keeping offenses up at night. And, and, and I, I, listen, y'all, y'all talked about how long I've been doing this. And I, I'm serious when I say this. He is. I'm as excited for him right now as I was those two years that Albert Haynesworth was the most wow. dominant D lineman, wow. in that last year of his rookie deal, <laughs> and also the year they franchise tagged him before he went to Washington to got all that money. Big talk. guys, y'all, y'all, were, y'all were much younger, but guys, he dominated.
1: Yeah, yeah
0: he I, did. I, I remember. I remember seeing him uh, in that uh, in that South end zone down there against. I think it was the was it Raiders or the Falcons. But uh, uh, Byron, um, oh gosh, the guy that played at uh, Marshall. That was the, he was a quarterback for the Jags, and then Byron, he was Byron with Leftwich. Atlanta. And Byron I think it was, yeah, he pulled Byron Leftwich down by with one arm, and Byron Leftwich is a, a, a and a he just jumped, tied Byron. that thing, went through the, the center and guard gap, and just jerked him down for a, I mean, I've no, never, never seen anything like it. Now, it didn't hurt that he had Tony Brown, who was a great pickup <laughs> right. from UC Chattanooga, and Kyle Vanden Bosch and these other cats. But my Lord, he was unstoppable. He absolutely destroyed people in games. And I think that's where, I mean, imagine Albert Hainsworth with a good body type. Oh, and that's man. what you're talking about man. with, with a Jeffrey Simmons. Um, you're right. right. This, it, guy is, this guy guy's going to be incredible for this
2: evening. I 100% agree. I think we have a, a future superstar in our hands with – you mentioned them both, with Jeff Simmons and with A.J. Brown. Um, the Titans have not had a dominant wide receiver. I almost argue ever, Rhett. You could, you could tell me if I'm wrong. Well, no. No, I, no, I wouldn't
0: – listen, I wouldn't disagree with that at all, Austin, because um, – I remember when they drafted Derek Mason in the fourth round yep. for mm-hmm. Michigan State. That yep. was a pick that they got from the Atlanta Falcons for Chris Chandler. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that ended up being a great story because, you know, he was, he broke line a little train James's all purpose yardage record uh, one year, I think in 2000. And, you know, he, he, he worked his rear end off on special teams and then a return game and then finally worked himself in as a great pass catcher. And, you know, he, he, uh, but, but he was an Oiler, not a Titan. Right. You know, he was drafted as an Oiler, so that's really kind of the asterisk there. Um, Kevin Dyson was supposed to be that, and I think he would have been really good, but bless his heart, he had the Achilles and he had uh, ACL. I mean, he had injuries, and he would have had a really nice career in this. Um, you know, we hope that a, a Kenny Britt or somebody well, like that would have, well, name. Know, and, and it's, you know, certainly that's no knock to any Nate Washington's that came in as a free agent or anything like that. But uh, I mean, guys, there hadn't been many rookie wide receivers to do the things that AJ Brown did in in his rookie season. I mean, that's a short list. You're, you're talking about, you know, getting into the name names of, you know, uh, Jerry Rice's and and Randy Moss's in terms of production. Um, And, you know, he would say, Hey, that's nice of you to say, but I'm the only AJ Brown and I'm, I'm here to just work on me in 2020, and that's mm-hmm. that's where you want him. Um, but, my Lord, that guy is – his run after catch ability oh, is man. what makes him so dangerous. I mean, he just uh, – if the wheels don't fall off and he stays healthy, that young man's going to see a lot of targets. I, but I, I'll, I'll, I'll say this, though, and Mike Keith's right. I think your all-time – I think your season leader in catches, though, is Adam Humphrey. I really? think that, yeah, I, he, he's back and, you know, cause he missed several games down right? the stretch. And, um, I think, I think that's going to be a good quick connect for, for Tannehill. Um, but your, your yardage receiver leader in that core and certainly in touchdowns will probably be AJ Brown, but I think your, your catch leader is going to be Adam Humphrey. Um, there's a lot to be excited about, and, and I know it's hard to not say, well, they were one win away from going to the Super Bowl. But, you know, that stuff's in the rearview mirror. Yep. But the thing that you can't overlook is that, you know, 10 of 11 starters are back on offense, and I think, what, 8 of 11 starters are back on defense, and mm-hmm. they still have Brett Kern, the best punter in the league. <laughs> um, if the kicking situation with Greg Joseph or whoever is okay and much better than it was last year, I mean, you've got a lot to be – yeah. Thankful for and promised about that because these guys, they hadn't – I mean, you got a lot of young guys on that team that got some valuable playoff experience last year. And oh, yeah. That stuff pays dividends.
2: Absolutely. I'm going to circle back real quick to, to, to Clowney. And I think, um, you know, right now with, with players opting out because of COVID, um, their salary um, helps for the 2020 season. So I'm afraid, Rhett, that you will see teams who were not in it before all of a sudden be in the Clowny race, um, whether it's the Patriots or somebody another team. I have to look at the cap situation. But there are teams that probably weren't in it before that could be now. But I'm with you there. I still think there's a gentleman's agreement. It makes the most sense for Clowney. It's been the most noise about Clowney with the Titans. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it makes the most sense um, for the Titans. And it just it's a matter of yeah. when I feel oh, yeah. like it's – you're you're just around 5 weeks away from the season so it's if i mean when's it going to happen you think he'd want to get in the building learn the playbook meet the coaches meet the players and get going um and build that chemistry with the team so i think it's just a matter of days in the next week you would hope if it's not with the titans it's somewhere that he signs
0: well and i feel like if it's if it is a new england or something like that it was all about money it never was about competing for i agree for a champion. i agree um because I think I think the bond between he and Brabel is stronger. I mean people want to draw lines to it, but I think 100%. it's stronger than what people yep. realize. I agree. It's no question he had his best year as a pro under the one year that he was defensive coordinator of the Texans. That's no secret. And you know um, and that goes back to what I was saying earlier about, you know, the coaching prowess of, of, of Mike Brabel and all of this. But yeah, if he goes you know, like I don't see him going back to Seattle because I don't think Seattle you know, Seattle's window has closed a bit. I don't think they're as close as they had been. Um, and I, I, I'm going to tell you something else, too. I think the 49ers fall off a little bit this year. I think that's, you know, uh, cyclically, these right. things, you know, sometimes it, it's amazing how they change, good to bad and bad to good. Um, but, uh, you know, I just hope he doesn't sign with 89. <laughs> no. That's, you know, put him, putting him with. Putting yeah. him with Darius Leonard and Justin course, Houston and definitely. all those cats. And then, of course, yeah, they True. traded for DeForest. I mean, <laughs> and, and, and when I say the Titans, you know, should be the favorite oh, consider for the division, I'm not discounting the mm-hmm. Indianapolis Colts at all because that's going to be it's a couple of wars right. this year, no question. Because they, they again, I can not say enough good things about what <laughs> Chris Ballard has done as general manager. He has done up there what John Robinson has done here.
1: Uh, Ray, you kind of you hit on the big parts of the offense and the big parts of the defense. And when you kind of look at the offensive side, you lose Jack Conklin and you lose, even though Delaney didn't play last year, he was a big guy in the locker room, big guy for john Smith as he came up into the league. And then you look on the defensive side of the ball, you lose somebody like Logan Ryan, even though you fill him back in with Christian Fulton. You talked about how excited you are for A.J. Brown on the offensive side of the ball and then for Darrington Evans to come in behind Derrick Henry. On the defensive side of the ball, you talked about how excited you are for Christian Fulton to come in and all of the amazing things that we think that Big Jeff is going to do. If you had to pick one, when it comes to Sundays, which one do you think teams will be more scared of, whether it be the Titans' defense or the Titans' offense, and which one could possibly carry this team throughout the season? I
0: think it will start out as the Titans' offense, but I think at the end of the day, it'll be the Titans' defense they'll be worried about. Um, and, and you know, the guy we haven't talked about in all of this, that is going to have a great year. And one of my favorite players in that locker room, one of my favorite guys, John O Smith. Cause it's, yeah. it's his baby now. And you look at what he did. Mm-hmm. I mean, that catch he made in Baltimore, Ooh, that catch man. he made oh, in man. Oakland. Uh, Woo! you know, I, he's getting <laughs> some of that Delaney's coming off on him, man. I mean, uh, yeah. and he's just a fantastic and Vrabel loves him because he works his rear end off.
2: to um, Not to interrupt you, but I would even add the run against Houston. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He's just so versatile. Right. And who was it he
0: chased down to save a touchdown, um, ran 58 yards, and pulled a dude down that kept him from scoring? That was at home.
1: That was the Houston game, yeah. too, I think.
0: You know, it might have been. I think. It might have been. I was thinking it might have been Kansas City, but I couldn't. I can't remember. Might have been. Um, I mean, there's, you know, and, and you're right about one thing. You've lost some leadership in a Jarrell Casey. You've lost some leadership in a Logan Ryan and Wesley Woodyard. Those are important things in this. But for every one of those you've lost, you've got a Kevin Byard. You've got, I think, a Rashawn Evans will step more forward in a leadership role. Um, I think Derrick Henry, in his own way, has become a leader in this thing. You look at how he's led this thing down into the ends of the last two seasons. You talk about respect when that man walks in the building, he has the respect of his teammates and coaches. And mm-hmm. uh, I he I think he tries to lead by example more than speech. But you see those huddle ups in the post game after they beat uh, beat New England and after they beat um, beat Baltimore. Hey, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, – you know, he was the one doing the speaking in the huddle there. And uh, right. so, you know, for what you've lost – and listen, Jarrell – and, that, and that's the thing, I think, where the national media is sleeping on the Titans. They think, well, Jarrell Casey's gone. I don't know how they're going to pick up the pieces. Well, <laughs> hey, man, they still got Daquan Jones, who I think had one yeah, of his exactly. better years think, yeah. last year, uh, and it just it just gets better all the time. And then Jeff Simmons ready to – Jeff Simmons is the reason why that Jarrell Casey is a a Bronco right now. And they jettisoned him a a, a year early because they know he's ready. Um, There's just, there's a lot there. Uh, But again, guys, it comes down to those lucky bounces, the ball, that game of inches they all talk about. And that's where I think the Titans have an advantageous position to begin the 2020 season. If they start on time and they open up on, Monday night football or Saturday night primetime, whatever it is at Denver, um, you're going to see some bad football in those first three, four weeks because they mm-hmm. haven't had any preseason games. They haven't had a chance to work exactly. in uh, a, a deal against the Patriots for a couple of days in practice uh, in scrimmages. So what does that make you think? Well, that makes you think that if you've got a Hoss running back and an old line, that's returning four of its five starters. Um and, and you know Nate Davis in second year at right guard uh, th- that lends yep. to to things being they're they're custom made to go sneak and get some wins early and gosh guys we know from the history of this team with these slow starts that absolutely killed them down the stretch where they could have picked up a win whether it's you know Buffalo and Nick Williams dropping the ball in Buffalo two years ago. Um. You know, just you know all that stuff. But if you can click off some wins early, because you are returning most of your starters and that you've you know got Mike Vrabel and you've done all you can, as I guarantee it, there's not going to be a lot of great quarterback and O line play when this thing starts. Just because they haven't had the reps, I'm they're not you. in quote unquote football mm-hmm. shape. So all right,
2: I agree. I agree. It could be one of these funky years where you, you see a, a player – and know it's a long season. You know, Patrick Mahomes could get it going. Lamar Jackson could get it going. Russell Wilson and you know, so on and so forth. But it could be a year where you see just a random player win MVP um, or offensive player of the year who's somebody you did not expect it to. It could sure. be a Derrick Henry. It could be Ryan sure. Tannehill. Who knows? Um, so, I'm, I'm very excited to, to watch that. So, last thing we want to hit you with, uh, we talked about the Colts and kind of the, the, the team that Chris Ballard's um, putting together – is there a team out there? Because you know we're, we're all big NFL fans as well. Um, I know we could talk Titans and, and root for them all day long, but um, I, I like to be real. And um, is there another NFL team out there that you're excited to watch this season?
0: Uh, the answer might surprise you, but I want to see what Teddy Bridgewater does in Carolina.
1: Mm, that's a good right. one. That's a good uh,
0: one. I think, and and it, it just as intriguing, what Cam Newton does in New England. But I want I want to see. I like Teddy Bridgewater a lot. I think he's a fantastic young man. Uh, I think um, I'm glad to see him get a shot as a starter because I think he can. I think he can play. Um, yeah. So that that if if I had to answer one at each conference, those are the two teams. And and again, quarterback driven league, and that's the two reasons why I'm saying those two teams.
2: Brett, what about you,
1: man? Uh... To be quite honest with you, I want to see how the Rams can maybe try and turn it around. We saw them. Yeah. We saw their big, big firepower offense uh, two years ago. We saw the fifty-five to fifty-one game against the Chiefs. That was probably one of the greatest games ever. Honestly, um, but then they hit the, they hit a wall in the Super Bowl when they lost thirteen to three with the Patriots. Couldn't get anything going. Took them a long time last season to get things going. They ended up going nine and seven and, and missing the playoffs. But you still have Robert Woods, you still have Cooper Cup, you still have all of your guys there on offense. I know they lost a couple pieces on defense, but you don't have Todd Gurley now. And, but you still have an offensive wizard and Sean McVay. So can you turn it back around? And you don't have to go and score 60 points again like they did. But can they at least keep it fluid on offense and defense to at least get back to what they were close to it to what they were in 2018?
2: I like that. Um, I'm going to go with uh, a guy we're familiar with, uh, and Marcus Mariota's Raiders. I'm interested <laughs> to see what they do this season. Um, I would love to hear your take on this, uh, Rhett, because we, you know, you know the guy so well. Do you think the Raiders? Because I do think they have a, a better season than what they had last year. Um, the AFC West is so tough with the Chargers. The Broncos are on the rise. Uh, the Raiders, I feel like have our you know. Uh, John Gruden and Mike Mayock are putting together a team that they want to compete with for a long time because they know the West is not getting any worse uh, with the Chiefs there at the top. So, do you think that the Marcus Mariota, Derek Carr situation is kind of like the Ryan Tannehill, Marcus Mariota situation? It's funny
0: you should say that because I do. Uh, and let me I say so, that. Please. Let me let me back up a second. You you mentioned Mike Mayock. That dude had a hell of a twenty nineteen draft class. And he followed, yes, it, up yes, with, he he followed he it up with he followed up with a pretty doggone good one in 2020. So Absolutely. for those who say I don't know about him as a novice GM, I don't know that he's a novice. I mean, he, golly, I mean, he took the best back in the draft. Got linemen. He got. I mean, he he did some things in this. Um, I think Derek Carr's frustration is showing because you've seen the reports recently yeah. about he's yes. tired of people bagging yeah. on him because. He hasn't won a playoff game, and he's seven years in the league or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. and, hey, if there's anybody that is a smart enough guy and say what you will about Marcus Mariota, but he is a smart young man, he took notes and learned everything he could learn to prepare him for this after week seven in Denver, about eight minutes left in the third quarter of that game, and Ryan Tannehill was a great teammate to – accept him, take him – I mean, they they became – I believe they came became very good teammates in this because mm-hmm. Ryan Tannehill handled himself uh, in a very classy way just like Marcus would. Um, that's one thing I'm impressed with with Tannehill is the way he, he, he's, he loves to play ball. I think he can uh, have fun when he celebrates and has a big play, but I think he puts his head down and goes to work. Well, Marcus Mariota is the perfect person for this because he's just gone through it. And I know – You know, John Gruden just waxes poetically about everybody that he came in contact with in his time with Monday Night Football and ESPN when he would do those quarterback sessions because, I mean, he just gushed over Marcus. But I I truly believe he likes Marcus, uh, wants to uh, take him in as a reclamation project. And listen, it's a short list, but there are some success stories uh, in the NFL that uh, are are well-documented on how, uh, you can pull a guy off the scrap heap and, and get something out of it. And that, and that Raiders organization has proof in the pudding with a Jim Plunkett years ago. He was, he was just obliterated in new England. Uh, and by the time he left San Francisco, he was chewed up and, and spit up and left on the side of the road. And they picked him off the scrap heap and that dude helped win them a Super Bowl with Marcus Allen. So, I mean, you know, you just never know, but I, I think that is a very intriguing story. Um, and in, in a division that you saw how heavily the other three teams in that drafted offense to try to keep pace with a Patrick Mahomes and that Chiefs offense.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for Marcus. Uh, I think it's a real opportunity for him. Um, I saw a video uh, on Twitter a few weeks back when, the, when Marcus got drafted by the Titans, the ESPN broadcast of John Gruden just drooling, over Marcus and his his positive yep. comments about him. So it's a guy he's obviously loved for a long time and probably he's been a big fan of. So when the opportunity came for him to sign Marcus, I think it was a no-brainer for him and Mike Mayock together to say, listen, we need a backup just in case this thing goes south. So it makes perfect sense for Marcus. He's back on the West Coast. Um, his family can come see him. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited for him. Um, I think we all have nothing but positive things to say about Marcus Mariota as a sure. person, as a leader. So um, I'm very, very excited to watch him.
0: But and, and guys, with with COVID nineteen, you might need to carry three quarterbacks.
2: Exactly. Uh, I mean, yeah,
0: that, we talked about that yeah. A couple I mean, weeks that's ago. you know, we don't know how all of this is going to go. Just like that's been the theme of this whole podcast about you know trying to have a sport <laughs> in a pandemic. Uh, so that's a huge insurance policy.
2: I'll say this too: looking at the Raiders' schedule, uh, their first six games. Get ready for this. Um, not easy. Panthers, Saints, Patriots, Bills, Chiefs, Bucks. Yep, yep. I mean, that's
1: – I honestly would not be surprised to see if they're getting blown out one game or if they're not playing well. I mean, I, being completely honest, I would not be shocked one bit to see Marcus thrown out there to start the second half or, or just – even just change it up just to see if he can add something to the offense that Carr hasn't been able to. And think about it this
0: way, guys. They paid him handsomely to be a backup. They did. did. Hey, you look at what Jameis Winston got on a one-year deal in New Orleans, and it's peanuts compared to what Marcus got. (laughs)
2: Exactly. (laughs) You are correct about that. Yeah. Well, the – all I can say is, Rhett, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, you coming on here. Thank you. Really thank appreciate you. it. You can follow him on Twitter at RhettBTennessee. Um, you can get us on Twitter at Second to Victory. Like the podcast. Subscribe. Rate five stars. Um, you can get us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Rhett, we, you know, it's we know it's football season when you're on the podcast. So we always appreciate your <laughs> time and your knowledge. And well, you're rambling. So we love it.
0: <laughs> you're you're kind to say those things and I I've always enjoy being able to talk with, with guys who love football like I do, and yourself and, and Brett and uh, I just appreciate the invite and, and having mm-hmm. me on. I, I'm just ready for some football in some some shape, form or fashion. 100%. And I hope there's still some college and certainly there's a full season of the NFL in the Titans. So but thanks for having me. Thank it was a lot of fun.
2: Of course. All right, for Red Bryan and Brett Bachelor, I am Austin Nelson signing off. Tighten
0: up. Tighten up.